again, Medical Education Podcast listeners. This is Kevin Eva, the editor-in-chief of the journal, coming to you today from a blissfully dry and blue spring Vancouver morning. And my day is going to be made even better because I have the opportunity to speak with a colleague from the UK. The voice you're going to hear momentarily is Arti Banzal. Arti and her colleagues have a paper coming out in the May 2022 issue of Medical Education entitled Optimizing Planned Medical Education Strategies to Develop Learners' Person-Centeredness, a Realist Review. And Arti is a GP and honorary senior lecturer at Hull York Medical School, also working in the NHS there for those who are familiar with the system in the UK. Welcome to the podcast, Arthi, and thank you so much for making the time. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is a cool paper, so I'm excited to talk with you about it. And part of the reason I was intrigued was person-centeredness, as you note, is something that we give a lot of airtime, so to speak. It's become a core value for many of our curricula across the world. You start off the paper by noting that person-centeredness often isn't achieved. I wonder if you can tell our listeners what leads to such a bold statement by way of that what got you interested in trying to fix the problem yes so I guess I was working as a medical educator for about 12 years before I decided to do this research and what I found was that person-centeredness by which we're talking about you know the perspective that you know recognizes for instance that the person is a unique individual and health is a complex interplay of biosocial factors that it recognizes that patients have subjective knowledge and expertise and that we want to work with patients as equal partners and shared decision making, that the quality of our relationships influences health outcomes and that as healthcare professionals, self-awareness is a vital component of our approach. Those are paradigmatically different to a biomedical approach in which you see health very much in terms of disease. You consider knowledge as more valid or more scientific if it is objective and knowledge-based and fact-based. And you see your role very much as making diagnoses or being an expert in managing disease. And you see your professionalism as sort of being emotionally detached. So they're kind of paradigmatically quite differently. And obviously, the medical education literature has talked about this for quite some time. And we're supposed to be in medical education, educating for person-centered practitioners. So people who hold the values of person-centeredness inherently. And yet most of my experience was we were conceptualizing teaching of person-centeredness in terms of competencies and skills. And I was aware that the literature was telling us that actually, if you looked at attitudes, they hadn't improved as people went through the medical education curriculum, even though we were saying that this was a stated aim and espoused outcome for medical education. So that's kind of what got me interested in thinking, well, what is it that we need to be doing in terms of the planned medical education to actually support learners to become more person-centered. I'm going to come back to part of your response there, but just before I do, to actually start digging into that, you conducted a realist literature review. And that's a technique that I've seen more frequently in recent years, but still I'm sure there are many people who don't appreciate what that term means. What differentiates a realist review from other forms of synthesis? 
Yeah, so a realist review is looking to understand not whether something works, whether an intervention works, but understanding an explanation of how it works, in what circumstances it works and for whom. So it's a very sort of explanatory type of focus for the research, and it's particularly suitable for complex interventions. And nearly everything we do in medical education is complex because it depends on the context, depends on how it's delivered. So many factors into what goes into making an intervention. So we didn't want to know whether an intervention that planned to improve people's person-centeredness worked or not. We wanted to understand how the interventions were working. And realist reviews often use what are called explanatory theories, and they use this form of context mechanism outcome to describe these theories, which basically sort of saying, in what context do mechanisms get triggered that enable the outcomes of interest. So in this situation, the outcome of interest is person-centeredness. In what context is it that something happens, often at the learner perspective, that means that we end up with a perspective shift towards person-centeredness? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. In fact, I just want to make a slight editorial comment and reinforce one of the things you just said, because for anybody who's listening and who's interested in submitting to the journal, it's that focus on the how level, the mechanism level of things that is a crucial determinant of publication success for us. The most common reason that papers are turned away is because they're descriptive rather than really looking under the hood, so to speak, and getting a little bit deeper into what's actually causing the effects observed. So the mechanisms that you were looking for were how can training better enable person-centeredness as opposed to what drives people towards person-centeredness? Is that a fair summary? Yeah, yeah, no, that is a fair summary. So basically, we were looking to see of all of these interventions that we have in place in medical education, which supposedly were put in place to support learner person-centeredness. What are the mechanisms that are being triggered in learners that would support them to become more person-centeredness? But we're looking at it both ways. So we're also looking for where it doesn't lead to person-centeredness as well. And the reasoning that's happening for learners in both of those situations. Well, and in that latter respect, one of the very intriguing findings from this work was, unlike many reviews where it looks like you know everything is effective because, of course, there's publication bias and people tend to want to share those things that have worked. You did notice a number of areas where it seemed like the intervention was almost detrimental, where it seemed to lead people to reinforce the biomedical perspective. Can you explain for our readers why you used the phrase dissonance and what it was that led to that tension for some? Yeah, so what we found was that where there were interventions where people were either having a type of training or an experience that didn't really fit with their prior understanding of health and role. So if the learners were coming in with a biomedical understanding of health and role, and then they were having an experience which was designed to improve their person-centeredness, then they sort of felt this discomfort, this uncertainty that the learning didn't fit with their prior beliefs, values and attitudes. It wasn't consistent. So that's what we mean by dissonance. We're sort of using the understanding 
of cognitive dissonance. It didn't fit. And human beings will do whatever they can to overcome dissonance. So we either have to change what we believe and think, or we have to stay with the way that we already thought in the first place. So we have to rationalize our experience so that we can stay the way that we were thinking in the first place. And that's what we found happened with a lot of these experiences is that the dissonance was resolved in a way that meant that people didn't become more person-centered, their perspectives didn't change. And that brings me back to what I alluded to, wanted to return to, is at the very beginning, you mentioned some of the difficulties of talking about person-centeredness in a competency-based model. What's the alternative? Is it the competency-based efforts that are contributing to some of those challenges you've just described? Or what does the literature lead you to believe we should be doing instead? Yeah, so what we found was that there were three things that learners needed in order to shift towards a person-centered perspective. So firstly, they need to understand person-centered theory. So that description of what person-centeredness is from an epistemological perspective and what that means for their role, you know, they really kind of needed to understand what were those domains and why was that important and what was the evidential rationale for thinking that this mattered in health and in clinical interactions. So a little bit of theory priming was actually really important. And then in terms of the experiences, the experiences needed to be meaningful. So what do I mean by meaningful? There were sort of three components that we found were really helpful to learners. One was being able to understand patient story. And they could get this in two different ways. They could either get it through narrative interventions where, you know, they might not be seeing, they might not be in front of the patient, but they're hearing the patient story and understanding what health meant to them and really engaging with that. Or it might be that they got that patient story by having a longitudinal kind of relationship with them over time. So they got to know the patient as a person and they got to see how their illness had an impact on them and what it meant for them and realized almost experientially the importance of relationships. They could understand about therapeutic alliance and things like that. So those things were needed. But then additionally, they also needed then to be able to make sense of their experiences. And within the sense-making opportunity, we found there were two other components. So they needed to have the space to challenge their assumptions. So be able to be in a space where they felt safe enough in a small group often of people where they had relational continuity to actually challenge their thinking and to realize if they were making assumptions and how those assumptions might be misplaced. But also where they would have a chance to process their emotions because Often these experiences were quite emotional and learners needed to not just debrief on that emotion, but process it and understand it. And the combination of those different elements of the intervention were the things that actually helped then learners recognize core sort of person-centered perspectives. So they came to say things um, that suggested that they realized that health is a holistic construct or that They had a change in values, recognizing that listening and empathy are therapeutic um, or understanding, for instance, how important it is to develop self-awareness. 
I'll reinforce that a little bit by alerting our listeners that there's a very rich discussion in this paper with a theory or model outlined that it seems like it will have great practical value to helping people move towards designing educational strategies. Just as a bit of a hint in that last regard, if you were to advise somebody on how to do this better, what's your best advice in terms of where to start? Well, I'm glad you think, Kevin, that it's really practical because the whole aim of this research was to really present educators with some practical theory that they can actually implement in educational practice when they're designing interventions. So where should they start? I think have a look at your curriculum and ask yourself, do we actually ever explain what we mean by person-centered practice? Is that clear to everyone? Because it was really interesting when we looked at the papers, how often both doctors and medical students, because this review looked at undergraduate and postgraduate and, you know, doctors in practice as well, that there's often an assumption that person-centeredness is somehow implicit or obvious and, you know, very superficial understandings of what that might mean so sort of almost sort of connected with being nice or empathic but not really understanding what it actually meant so I think the curriculum needs to be quite clear about that and it needs to help people understand it from all sorts of perspectives you know and give them the evidence about that so theory is something that should definitely be placed people need to understand what it is and why it matters and then make sure that learners have the opportunity to get to know patients over time. So those longitudinal experiences and with an active role. That's something else I didn't mention earlier, actually. That was one of the components of meaningful experiences is that learners had an active role in looking after patients. So having time with people, having an active role and engaging with story. And then I think really, really, really crucially is making sure that you give people the opportunity to make sense of their learning and to develop as people and practitioners. That seemed to be the element of the intervention where we really saw the strongest transformation in terms of perspective is where there was a sort of a space and it was a safe space and it was with the same group and you had the same facilitator and it was over time so those relationships of trust were built and people really felt able to explore their experiences and understand what that meant for them as a person but also what it meant for them as a practitioner. And such good general advice we do spend so much time telling students what they should do with it, really helping them understand why we're trying to lead them that direction. And when you put it in those terms, it's very easy to appreciate why even if they were to do it temporarily to pass the assessments or what have you, it's likely not deeply embedded in their conceptualization of what good practice means. So I think that what you've just said is a wonderful note for us to end on. I'm going to leave the other details for listeners to find in the paper, which again is in the May 2022 issue of Medical Education with the title, Optimizing Planned Medical Education Strategies to Develop Learners' Person-Centeredness, a Realist Review. And uh, Arthi Bansal, thank you so much for the paper, for the work you're doing, and for the subsequent work I know you're embarking upon now in terms of helping climate change. Thank you so much, Kevin. Appreciate it very much. 